I would say some of the larger grid things are about the kind of boundary of colors next to each other. Whereas the checkerboard becomes a bit more like a kind of uh, repetition of an act that has a kind of end point because of you're working on a, a finite surface. So anyway, I, I did one of these more checkerboard things and then I thought, okay, you know, let's just sort of try a few of these. And then, then I got to the point where it's like, okay, I did make a conscious decision. I'm going to try and make some paintings with lots of colors in them. So that was a conscious decision as a development because I often feel quite satisfied with just two colors, you know, or even one color, to be honest. But I just thought it would be a good challenge for me to, on the one hand, try and create complexity in like a single image because often the way I create complexity is through like doing groupings of lots of works. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 274th episode, I'm really excited to be joined by Rupert Hartley, who spoke with me from Hove, which is in the south coast of England. We talk all about his background in art and design, studying printed and textile design, and eventually going on to earning an MA in art and architecture. We, of course, break down how that applies to his background and especially his studio practice and how that evolved from printed textiles and installation-based work eventually to sculptures and to the current work, which he kind of considers paintings, kind of sculptures. We talk a little bit about that. And of course, it's a really exciting interview coming up featuring his work. So very excited to share this interview with Rupert. I do want to note you can find his work on his website, RupertHartley.com, and be sure to follow him on Instagram at Rupert Hartley. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time, I want to remind you that Studio Break has a big archive of featured artists on studiobreak.com. Each of those posts there have images of the artist's artwork, links to their websites, and you can listen right on the default player, or you can click those links and subscribe to the podcast, and that way you've always got something to listen to while you're working away in the studio. Please be sure to like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break, and of course, be sure to say hello on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. And enough of my announcements, let's dive right into this interview with Rupert Hartley. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Rupert Hartley. How are you doing this afternoon, right? You're in the afternoon. Me? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I'm in the morning here, so. <laughs> it's definitely, yeah, it's the afternoon. It's a sort of murky um, mid-afternoon, and it will probably get dark in about an hour here well right on and remind everybody where where are you joining me from again you're not you're not from around my neck of the woods no the uk in a place called hove which is just uh, near brighton which is a kind of small small city town mm-hmm. uh, on the south coast of england yeah it's about an hour train ride from london and you grew up in that area or in in london proper or I grew up actually in Surrey, which is slightly north of here. It's it's like a suburb to London. So it's one of the counties, basically, just outside of London to the south. Okay. Southwest, yeah. And we've been talking a little bit about that, too, previously, about, you know, where we grew up and, 
you know, move. And so I'm sure we'll talk a yeah. little bit about, <laughs> about that. Were, were you always um, interested in, in art when you were, you know, growing up and, and kind of making things? When you put it like that, yeah, I think so. I just suddenly remembered uh, being given a Meccano set, actually. Meccano, it's, 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 I don't know if... You know, no, I don't, sort I'm of, not familiar. <laughs> um, it's it kind of like uh, in the 70s, I guess. It was um, it was like a toy where basically you got lots of these kind of metal component parts that you could kind of connect together mm-hmm. and construct structures from it. Yeah, I remember having that. I remember sort of enjoying constructing things. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think I always liked drawing and, you know, got sort of positive feedback about it. And I, I, I was sort of remember actually quite enjoying those kind of colouring in books and things, sort of patterns and things, mm-hmm. you know, where you had a, a kind of starting point or, a, or a, some sort of framework. But that's – I know that's me – thinking, you know, joining up to sort of where I am now a bit, maybe. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, and, you know, kind of tell us a little bit about that. You know, I grew up in the States, and in terms of that, there was a lot of, you know, art classes, and, you know, that was always something as seen as like an elective, and I don't know that anybody, you know, something that you could choose to study, but I don't know that anybody necessarily took that thinking, you know, I'm going to do anything but be a graphic designer, whatever that means, you know, to like a 12-year-old or yeah. a 14-year-old. But did you have a lot of art kind of classes and things like that? Were you interested in, you know, photography and, you know, things like that growing up? Or We were sort of encouraged, actually, by my mum. I mean, funnily enough, my mother's had to sort of move recently. and But the other day we, we were around there and um, she loves um, keeping hold of uh, belongings it's you know mm-hmm. and basically she's kept a lot of of these ceramics and things that me and my brother had made uh, when we were extremely young and um so we we were looking at those so it's funny you asked that she definitely you know encouraged us to to go and do different classes so we, we I remember doing a bit of pottery and then at kind of early school you know the, what we did do art it was kind of pretty pretty basic I guess mm-hmm. um and things like photography, I would say kind of later, you know, definitely sort of later on when I was a teenager, you know, getting camera and stuff. So kind of thinking back to, you know, more of those primary kind of educations, I mean, is that something that you then kind of decided that you were going to pursue is art as a career or? Well, there's lots of things in there that you've just said, actually. Um, I mean, the word career, <laughs> I don't know, that's slightly problematic, isn't it? Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think it was kind of a long process. Through school, I did enjoy the art class. As far as I was mm-hmm. concerned, it was pretty much kind of free time, really, you know. And so that that was a kind of constant. And I think getting through my kind of late teens when I was coming towards the end of school, you having to make decisions. And it was always sort of the art. I wasn't particularly motivated in, in terms of the uh, more academic subjects, you could call them. Mm-hmm. I was kind of lucky in some respects because I've got an elder brother who's three years older and he, he was quite artistic as well. And he kind of had to kind of work out what he was doing, you know, three years before I did sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He did go in that direction to sort of do a foundation course. So for me, that that seemed like a, a kind of route to go, if you like. I really have to say, I just really couldn't see what I would do, you know, um, in the future. 
and it was it was actually I found it quite stressful at that sort of age kind of working out you know what what to do what to do because I didn't really understand that art or, or design how, how that might become a, a job you know or, or uh, something to do well did you decide to pursue something else at first or were there other kind of interests that I continued with in the education I guess so I went from school to a foundation course for a year in art and design and then and then after that, I went straight on to a, a, B, a BA, which is three years in uh, printed textile design. So yeah, it was. I basically went straight from school to college for four years, and then after that, it was kind of like, okay, what do I do now? You know, how mm-hmm. how do I start to sort of get employment or make some money? You know, and so there was all those kinds of questions and. and and problems in a way. So I guess I sort of started doing part-time work, but I, I didn't sort of go and do a completely different, unrelated job full-time or anything. Something that did I did start doing at a very, that stage, painting houses, actually, like painting and decorating. So, you know, when you studied, you know, at university in terms of mm-hmm. art, art and design, you know, what kind of things were you making, you know? And I'm always curious about that relative to where we're at now. Um, obviously, you kind of describe kind of moving on to textiles and other design work, but were you like doing a lot of painting or again, there's a time where literally you could go into a university here and again, going way long ago, like they would have looms and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. The The, the course I studied was printed textiles. So print aspect was screen print. So okay, yeah, a lot of the work we did was directed towards ultimately creating screen prints so yeah we kind of learned learned that skill that craft i mean there were lots of other techniques we learned i mean more relating to printmaking maybe you mm-hmm. know mono printing all kinds of fun stuff actually what one, one workshop we did was they got us to kind of make these slides mm-hmm. uh, that you know those little slide cases you get for slide projectors and so you, you construct a kind of little collage within a slide then you'd project uh, light through it and then you'd get this kind of image on the wall that was that was really exciting i think some of the things it kind of taught me was you know working at different scales you know i created some very kind of large scale prints me me and this one of my friends on the course we weren't that crazy about textiles in a way we we, we weren't but we were really interested in kind of making images and working with the process, if you like. I was going to say sort of colour, but actually at that time I was very, um, very like timid with, with colour, actually. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because sort of now I, I really, um, it's like I've got this attitude, I'll basically just try anything. And it's like I don't. Right. <laughs> it, it's like I'm not scared of colour. But I, at that young age, I was, I was quite in, sort of scared of it really interesting yeah Yeah. and i'm curious like you know are there any you know artists kind of that you were kind of gravitating towards or thinking about um and i say this as you know a a kid that grew up on science fiction so for for me my my exposure to art really didn't happen until i was (laughs) i feel like in my 20s you know like a lot of it was just so pop culture oriented yeah but were there artists that you were kind of interested in or well, way back then. Yeah, when you were studying. Time. Yeah. Yeah, well, there were artists, yeah. Tutors used to come up to my means and, and always mention Bridget Riley mm-hmm. because uh, some of the things I was working on were, were quite sort of optical in a way. And, um, 
you know that sort of thing when you're young you hate it when people come up and say oh that's a bit like Bridget <laughs> Riley sure I, I would sort of always go oh no it's it's not like anyone else you know mm-hmm. you know in a way it was a compliment in hindsight um we sort of seemed to sort of gravitate in the library there were these books you know I, I did like a lot of abstract expressionism you know I remember uh, Robert Motherwell actually mm-hmm. uh, I particularly liked at that stage I think you know in terms of just those really kind of bold kind of images you know but I'd also remember being quite fascinated by some of the surrealists actually in particular Max Max Ernst mm-hmm. kind of really liking some of the textures and um the collage work those sort of stand out at that time I guess I was quite linked into geometry but I wasn't particularly referencing too many artists you know the 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 contextual side of what I was doing I don't remember it being that sort of thorough in a way Mm -hmm. I was just playing with kind of geometries I was sort of obsessed with circles for quite a lot quite a long time at college (laughs) the the tutors got a bit concerned well not concerned (laughs) but they wanted me to break out the circles yeah I just sort of seemed to kind of like those kind of forms to kind of work within sure sure yeah well and to kind of think about that experience you know leading on to to something else so what what happened after that I mean did you then kind of like think you were going to start working in textiles and kind of making, you know, different designs and, and, and do stuff like that as a, a career. And I, know uh, I keep saying that word career, right? But <laughs> no, 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 that, that, that is fine. Cause that's what you have to think about. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Cause like so I mentioned my brother again, he was this three years ahead and he, he'd, he'd studied the same degree mm-hmm. and he'd gone into partnership with a friend of his after college. And they'd kind of set up a, like a print print studio and, so and then I kind of graduated a few years uh, later and you know I was I was kind of a, a bit unsure I didn't I didn't feel particularly um like I fitted you know mm-hmm. in that realm I sort of felt like it was a it was a bit restrictive in a way I didn't feel that yeah connected to it I did sort of you know start creating some designs for a period and and literally the way textile designs are sold. Well, in those days, you create like a design on a bit of paper and then that can be kind of sold to someone. So I, for a while, I kind of did that, but I, I found it quite, well, A, not very satisfying and B, so I didn't sell a lot. You know, <laughs> I, my, you know, my designs didn't seem to be that um, commercial. Mm-hmm. So what, what happened a bit later is I, I thought, okay, let's maybe try something else so I I started approaching um like retail shops and department stores and things in London and um Mm -hmm. tried to kind of propose to them uh, to to create some like window a window display and stuff like that and basically I got quite a few commissions doing that for a few years Mm -hmm. so just constructing things out of uh, cardboard and also you know creating a kind of strong visual image so that that was kind of my first kind of go at kind of being a commercial artist designer I guess you know that that was that was quite funny it was quite sort of stressful but it was it was quite interesting as well and quite challenging but then there's always a but then but then I got to a point it was like the the work I was making it just had one kind of role which was to catch people's eye and to um 
I ultimately kind of sell the products, you know, that, that, that were in front of it and stuff. So it, it felt a little bit, a bit sort of one dimensional on a certain level. Mm-hmm. So I kind of started to become a bit dissatisfied. And, and then I thought, right, well, maybe I, maybe I need to go back to college. So I did, um, I applied for an MA called Art in Architecture, which was at the University of East London. It was sort of like a public art course in a way. Mm-hmm. I did it in one year. And that was gave me an opportunity to really kind of broaden my thinking, I guess, and start start kind of thinking a bit more as like an artist, I guess, compared to a designer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was sort of as far as I, I saw it when I started sort of to be working as an artist. Well, and I'm curious because, you know, yeah. there's a common thing that happens here when people are in that stage where you kind of get used to making something that you're good at. And then mm-hmm. the professors, instructors will just kind of uh, try to <laughs> trash it. You know, they'll they'll try to get you to abandon almost all the things that got you there. What was that experience like in terms of then, you know, you had kind of worked as a textile designer and then you also, you know, were doing these displays. I mean, was it something where then you could really kind of pursue and be challenged or w- were you more encouraged to take risks and and things like that the challenges for me were kind of maybe the 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 putting myself in a very uh, new context mm-hmm. first of all it was in east london a place called stratford it's kind of near where the olympic park got built actually mm-hmm. some of the mas these days in london certainly you you're you know you're put into a sort of bit of a pressure cooker you know mm-hmm. where where basically they completely remove you of any uh, kind of <laughs> anything that you ever thought you knew and um, and then sort of rebuild you you know um, mm-hmm. it, w- it wasn't that kind of MA that I did it, it was it was kind of set up to teach you some of the issues relating to making artwork for for public spaces okay so mm-hmm. there was this kind of overlap with with architecture we, we kind of learned about the, the site and kind of some of those issues relating to to working you know in the public public realm and um we you know so so we did part of the course we did actually put on uh, an exhibition you know in a public space in the in the docklands which they were kind of warming up because it's 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 an area i mean this was this was in 95 so quite mm-hmm. a long time ago so it's an area that's been kind of hugely developed uh, since then okay and and what was that work like? I mean, you know, you kind of described that this is maybe the time where you start kind of, you know, thinking of yourself more as, as an artist. Um, yeah. what, what kind of things did you start making, I guess, for this exhibition? Well, I've had a, done a few U-turns in my uh, artistic career, but I decided to focus on sounds, oh, working with sounds, yeah, on my MA. And um, because I felt at the time that the visual art was kind of saturated and um, and so I just decided to focus on sound uh, because I thought it was a kind of under underexplored area in a way. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, for this exhibition, I, I, I did a sound installation and basically created a sort of some sounds that were kind of played within this kind of structure that, that kind of projected sound across the sort of site, this, this kind of area. So interesting. Yeah, it's sort of so, so. I did a lot of kind of field recording in the area, and and then kind of 
put together this, I guess you could have called it a, a sound collage of these different rhythms, these different kind of beats. It's quite different. So what what happened after that? Did that lead you towards uh, something else that kind of, I don't know, carried you a little bit further towards where you are now? Uh, it it did in a way, but it's definitely a, a winding road. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I kind of came out of the MA. You're interested in the kind of sound installation, um, art sound installation. It's it, it's very it's very specific, I guess, and and quite a kind of small little area. But I I did for a while. I kind of found some of these different people and uh, who were kind of involved in that area. And there was there was one this small publication called Noisegate who like published information about it. And um, I wrote a few articles and things and um, did, continued to actually show my work in galleries but in this kind of vein using using sound and um you know was was in in a few shows actually sound and a bit a bit of video and I guess I came out of my MA wanting to kind of exhibit and wanting to get more shows and you know become well more well known I guess you know I found it really very difficult process so it was kind of very a slow burn like it was, there was a bit of a post MA kind of back. I didn't have a studio. I guess what I was doing was was a bit more sort of project based anyway. Mm-hmm. Part of the MA was about I don't know. I, I think at the time there was this sort of post studio practice thing being talked about as well. So lots a lot of artists were questioning, you know, what a studio practice really could be now. You know, um, so that was going on. So for quite a number of years was thinking working more in sort of project project based things might be a residency that you apply for or you'd apply to sort of create some sort of temporary work somewhere but I I think what's kind of key here is I did start doing some kind of teaching as well and at a college in London and as part of that teaching you're able to get some sort of funding for research as well Mm -hmm. so I started kind of working on some collaborations on a series of projects which were combined kind of drawing but also relating to the city so after a while I kind of moved moved away from sound but uh, got quite focused on uh, different types of drawing practice kind of but relating to kind of mapping and you know the term uh, psychogeography I don't know if you're familiar with no, that. No I'm not. That's it was kind of coined by um i think by the author ian sinclair it's a, it's a kind of term that actually came started earlier in the uh, last century and it was this idea of kind of exploring kind of city space and thinking about the kind of psychological aspects of um, what it means to kind of occupy and use a city so i got involved in Lots of uh, reading, I guess, and projects relating to the city and kind of urban space. And um, but funny enough, um, one of the things that this culminated in at the time was doing some projects in New York. For a number of years, there was this event called Conflux. Mm-hmm. It was specifically about things psychogeography and uh, using the city to kind of explore well, to use art as a way to explore the city. Um, and for a number of years, they, they hosted it in, in Brooklyn. And so I, I applied and 
kind of got involved in that and sort of went back three years in a row. And so that that was a kind of really exciting for me, um, a way to kind of enact some of these um, drawing projects, but in, in a kind of context, a kind of big event like that. Uh, and also in New York, which is a very exciting place to be, obviously. So, yeah, in a way, that, that was a sort of... Um, quite a kind of key point that I felt I got to with that with that sort of body of work or, or those those approaches. And so obviously I would imagine teaching was something that helped kind of shift things too or kind of influence things. You know, for example, like we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but I kind of started out really being interested in abstraction and probably a lot of the same modernists that, you know, you had maybe mentioned earlier were artists that I had looked at and it's very interesting to me now because as somebody that teaches drawing, you know, that was never something that I really kind of learned when I was a, a student yeah. and it's something that really kind of became refined as a, a teacher. Um, oh, so yeah. was, was that role of being a teacher something that influenced anything in terms of, you know, thinking about some of your other work or, or, you know, kind of influencing that process at all? What's quite strange is I've, I've a lot of my teaching is, as far as I can see, it's been slightly out of discipline in a way. I've taught design a lot, foundation level, you know. A lot of my teaching, I've been in the sort of design department as opposed to the, the fine art department. And um, what's kind of interesting about that is having to sort of expand my knowledge of design areas as well um, for period. And I think that totally kind of manifested itself in in the reason that I was kind of working with city space and um, I guess drawing is used a lot obviously in design as well. Mm -hmm. That really, I think totally affected the, um, the type of art I was making at that stage. How did you come to start painting? Cause you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of work that, you know, I've seen obviously on Instagram, the uh, Instagram handle is just your name, right? At Rupert Hartley. Yeah. And then your yeah. website is again, the same name, RupertHartley.com, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. So again, plenty of work for people to check out, but you know, how did you come to start making, you know, more paintings and, and things like that, that moved away from the other things that you were doing with that crept up on me a bit i did a residency actually at wimbledon art college it's, it's quite a well-known one in london and there was a great tutor there actually called avis newman who's quite an established painter herself she was running the phd program there she was really encouraging actually and she um well at the time i was doing more kind of installations but there was definitely this kind of shift where I started thinking okay I'm going to start making work for gallery space as opposed to public space and I proceeded to get um get a studio quite soon after that and to cut a long story short I was still I wasn't thinking about painting because as you as you're fully aware you know painting is a is a very kind of dominant genre in in art for someone who hasn't sort of been to college and trained in it it's kind of intimidating mm -hmm. form of art because of all the history and there's just something about it it's like I think when I was younger it's kind of like you just don't go there you know <laughs> it's it's like um it's an unsaid thing you know it's just keep that painting over there and so so as a, as a subsequent when I started a studio practice I was kind of like sort of doing 
what I considered kind of everything apart from painting, you know, it was kind of like basically not painting, um, but everything else was okay. It felt a bit more like a kind of ephemeral kind of sculptural practice in a way. So I was working a lot with cardboard actually, which has carried through, but I was kind of image making, I guess, but constructing things. And I mean, paint, paint did sort of creep in, but I was using it as part of some sort of construction as a, well, I certainly would not have called myself a painter. In fact, I, I certainly don't consider myself a, a painter now, actually. <laughs> but I think the, the key thing is there was a sort of key shift where I basically bought a couple of uh, canvases on stretchers. Mm-hmm. I actually bought a, some just loose canvas. And it was this kind of key moment where it's almost like, oh, my God, I'm treading, I'm treading dangerously <laughs> close to, um, to this thing called painting, you know. And then, and then this this uh, new art shop opened called Great Art actually near my studio, and and it had a bit more like a kind of supermarket feel mm-hmm. for for art supplies, and you know there was none of that kind of dare I say it kind of stuffy kind of arts history kind of thing going on, and um, so I went and got a couple of canvases, and it was kind of like, and I just thought it just felt sort of a bit less inhibited, and um, yeah. So I bought some, some canvases on stretchers and just started working on them, you know, um, as, a, as a kind of extension of the um, the, the more cons- constructed approach. And I guess I then became a bit obsessed with this this problem, you know, of which obviously all painters are trying to deal with as well, this damn object, you know. <laughs> In some way, you've got to kind of deal with this. It, it, it's already an object before you've even done anything, you know. And I found that quite an interesting problem. It's like I turned my practice kind of inside out a bit. But I would imagine that kind of not having that mm-hmm. background kind of left you a lot more open to kind of explore different things. And that's something that really, you know, strikes me about, you know, the work that I, you know, can kind of see is that there's not necessarily like such a rigid format or formula. You know, it seems like you really want to play with color and some of these you know, geometric kind of configurations. And yeah. I think in a way that's great because then you don't have these things in your head that you can't do. It's just really seeing, you know, what you like and, you know, kind of tailoring yeah. everything towards that. Yeah, 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 maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that sort of um, imposter syndrome slightly, isn't it? You know, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're training, I guess. It, it can be a kind of hang up, can't it, as well? Sometimes have these discussions with, other people in my studio right where I am now um mm-hmm. sometimes it sort of comes up obviously different people have a different relationship to those histories I guess those traditions and um I have a sort of irreverence I guess for some of those histories you know mm-hmm. which it could be seen as an advantage but I think at the same time to, to some people maybe that that maybe um, stops them taking you seriously in a way, you know. And obviously, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier, you know, kind of starting to work and, and utilize cardboard and, yeah. you know, paint on that. Maybe talk a little bit about the process. Are you somebody then that really kind of improvises and, you know, will kind of just start painting up different shapes and, and start kind of interacting with them to kind of see, you know, what the, what the, 
work might look like, or again, for whatever reason, I can't imagine you sketching these out. I can see you kind of having like, you know, 30 of them on the floor and you're just going to start kind of, you know, experimenting almost. I'm glad you get that sort of impression. I do occasionally sit there with a pencil um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, um, and sort of work out some sort of spacing or, you know, but I, in a way I sort of, I'd rather work it out as, as I'm doing it, you know, I, I, it's occurred to me that any drawing I'm doing, if you like, it's sort of in the actual thing I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not sort of doing a, a plan and then enacting that plan. I mean, I, I, I used to sometimes do that. I, don't, I find it more exciting having that sort of tension, I guess. As I'm sure you know through your own painting, there's something very, very sort of stressful about not knowing what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I think a skill to be an artist is kind of like being able to kind of deal with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I work in series. So in a way, by working in series, it it kind of can give you a, a kind of continuum, I guess, or or a, some sort of certainty that you're you're within something, and you're kind of working within those parameters, you know. Mm-hmm. But I quite like those parameters to have a sort of instability. You know, it's not that kind of rigid as well. Mm-hmm. That uncertainty thing is quite difficult. You know, you get a canvas out. If you stretch a big canvas sitting on the wall, I mean, how long is it just going to sit like that before you've got to do something? You know. Sure. <laughs> but it's an invitation isn't it no absolutely and yeah and to think about that with some specific work i mean you were talking about working in series and coincidentally as i'm looking back at your instagram for say something like a year ago you know Mm -hmm. there's there's a number of these paintings that are you know acrylic on canvas and they're maybe a little bit more minimal you know maybe they have a couple of color shifts but they're you know maybe a little bit more related is that written out or is it like, oh, no, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely in this mode of, uh, you know, kind of these minimal kind of striped kind of, you know, exploration in terms of the composition. And then I'm just going to play with all these different colors and see what happens. I feel personally I've been like stuck in the grid for quite a long time now, you know, mm-hmm. and it's something I'm aware of. And it's not something I particularly happy about, you know, mm-hmm. I think what seems to be happening you know, over the last few years, it's like I'm building up a, I, I think I need to use the word syntax. I've got these kind of different syntaxes. I'm, and I see like the checkerboard or the stripe or the grid, you know, all, all these kind of quite formal arrangements. I see them as a, as kind of different syntaxes, I guess, you know. And mm-hmm. I see them as sort of really well-trodden paths as well in, in art history you know, like almost overdone. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sort of aware of that. I quite like that problem as well, you know. It's like I think I, I need sort of variety to keep my own interest. Mm-hmm. But what will happen is I'll, I'll kind of, it'll become quite sort of locked into, like let's take this sort of the checkerboard, the more recent thing. Mm-hmm. I came up with this kind of approach, just the word uncertain measures, okay, and I just, I actually wrote it on a bit of paper. It was on the wall. And I thought, okay, so I'm, I'm wanting to sort of create a painting that's got, got that kind of uncertainty to it. And so I started doing some paintings that were more, more kind of uncertain, I guess, visually. And, um, and then, like I said, 
it got to the point that I just thought, this is just, I can't. <laughs> it's like a, it's like I've got to just sort of pin it down a bit more. And then I sort of did one of these kind of more checkerboard things, which in a way for me, they're just a continuation of the, the grid, maybe a different rhythm, you know, but mm-hmm. well, actually I would say some of the larger grid things are about the kind of boundary of colors next to each other. Whereas the checkerboard becomes a bit more like a kind of uh, repetition of an act that has a kind of end point because of you're working on a, a finite surface. So anyway, I, I did one of these more checkerboard things and then I thought, okay, you know, let's just sort of try a few of these. And then, then I got to the point where it's like, okay, I did make a conscious decision. I'm going to try and make some paintings with, lots of colors in them so that was a conscious decision as a development because i often feel quite satisfied with just two colors you know or even one color to be honest but i just thought it would be a good challenge for me to on the one hand try and create complexity in like a single image Mm -hmm. because often the way i create complexity is through like doing groupings of lots of works yeah, and that's something that I would notice too relative to, you know, some of your Instagram posts is that you'll have mm-hmm. a big assortment of different works and, you know, you, you kind of see the way they start interacting. Yeah. Do you have different walls <laughs> where it's like these are all going to be like monochrome? <laughs> these are going to kind of have this other color interaction or I say that because that's so much fun about having a studio space is that you can kind of arrange these and, you know, kind of make decisions based on kind of, you know, getting some distance and seeing what they look like, you know, with other, other works. I think with the cardboard works, especially I got really into like doing these groupings. And I think in the, in the summer, I had this show in, in London, in, in Peckham. And, um, I kind of decided to, do a kind of display which was very much a kind of like a salon hang I guess all this kind of cluster of works and um Mm -hmm. because I felt some of these works where there's not much going on in them they kind of work quite well as as a group yeah I use the studio sometimes to, to sort of plan that so I actually hang the whole show like in my studio beforehand and then when I went up I it was like I I knew exactly where everything was going in hindsight i might try something a bit different next time <laughs> but sure <laughs> but, but, uh, but it seemed to work i kind of didn't want the uh anxiety of the install i guess mm-hmm. and then the reason i mention it is because after that show when i came back to the studio i was sort of it's kind of slightly in that mode i guess and um and i i've i haven't done many exhibitions like that but i, I i'd like to maybe do another one it's where i just put up you know multiple works i guess it becomes like one piece in a way but like a kind of in- installation but i think i'm always fluctuating between several things so one is between like small scale and large scale one is also between like the singular image and um the kind of grouping the multiple image you know i love the way that there's all these different color combinations and you know the surface of them are especially something that is really interested in me both the cardboard and the the canvas paintings um because right. there's a lot of transparent color 
and you start seeing those layers kind of washing through and interacting. And again, it kind of adds a lot of interest to kind of keep looking. Well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. Do you incorporate different strategies or do you feel like that's all something that, you know, again, is kind of built into that language that you've been developing, you know, with your work? You know, I mentioned Mm -hmm. the painting and decorating earlier. Yeah. Uh, In a way, I, I feel I do paint a bit like a painter and decorator, you know, it's, there's a, and what I mean by that is I really paint quite quickly and I put it on fast, you know. I think when you're, when you're painting like a house, there's this thing of creating like a perfectly flat surface and kind of saturated colour. Um, I think I do work with kind of broken colour quite a bit, certainly with the recent checkerboard one, which maybe you feel a bit more layered. Mm-hmm. You know, I quite liked sort of judging that in a way that, that the painting would remain open, not feel incomplete, but but kind of n- not not feel too sort of uh, static. So I'm aware of like the that in sort of working with different thicknesses of paint. And then in terms of the actual colour, that is like an evolving thing. So... Mm-hmm. By that I mean, you know, I mix colours and I have these sort of little little containers and I kind of keep the unused colour. And then often if I'm working on a series, I see the palette as, you know, I'm keeping it alive. Probably a bit of a romantic idea there, but I find that quite interesting the way it evolves. And as I'm mixing, I'll add some more colours. But, I mean, I'm just getting to the point now that, I've completely, I'm completely trying to use up all the, all the paint that I've got. Uh, so I'm almost like killing, killing it all off, you know. <laughs> I love hearing about how things kind of shift and develop in, in people's studios. Mm-hmm. And think about that in mind. I mean, are there kind of, you know, works that you're kind of working on now for like any upcoming, you know, exhibitions or, or things that kind of help frame that for you in terms of, you know, like I've got to make these certain amount of paintings for this show or? Well, not at the moment. I've, I haven't been applying for much recently, but in the autumn, I get a, a bit busier with, with uh, teaching mm-hmm. and I find I have less time um, to focus on it. But having said that, I've sort of embarked on some quite new work, which I, I haven't actually started posting much on Instagram yet, but it, it's been a bit of a sort of shift. I think I mentioned earlier, I sometimes, in the studio where I work, there's, there's some other artists that um, get on with, and it's really it's really nice because sometimes we, we're able to have, you know, have a little chat with each other about our work. And um, I had this sort of chat with one of these artists called Sarah, and it, it kind of made me feel maybe I should work, go off stretcher for a time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. My my sort of latest kind of thing that I'm quite excited about, I've started making new work, but actually using different surfaces, different fabrics. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, so I've been sourcing fabrics from uh, either uh, off cuts that we might have in the house or even going to sort of charity shops and getting like uh, bedding, for instance. And... Um, kind of deconstructing them and then working on them, but kind of off stretcher. 
So in a way, it's, this is this is my little uh, maybe a leap back to to more of a kind of sculptural approach. Maybe mm-hmm. this feels like quite an exciting shift for me because I kind of been quite locked into the the stretch canvas, you know, for for quite a long time. So so that that's something I'm working on. I've got about eight new new pieces that I've uh, done so far on that. The other thing which is quite exciting actually is different. I I got approached a little while back about um doing uh, a commission work for kind of developments in uh, in japan actually and i've sort of recently came up with a proposal for a a group of paintings like a series of 20 paintings for a, a refurbishment in japan so it's like a scheme i guess you could call it but it's it's kind of based on a a series of paintings I did about a year ago. Very cool. Yeah. And that will be an opportunity to work in a kind of very different way, I guess, you know, for, for a specific context. So that's a new, a new thing. I haven't really worked to commission for a long time, put it that way. Yeah. Well, again, it's interesting the way that you kind of take on different, you know, roles, you know, we were talking about that earlier, but I mean, even in terms as an artist, you know, that might be something where, again, it's going to be different when you're working on different materials or using fabric Mm. or cardboard or again, a public work. So it seems like that's something that you utilized, obviously kind of keep, keep things fresh and exciting for you as you're, as you're working so that things don't get too stale. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, there could be different ways of looking at it. You know, there's sometimes an argument, isn't there for, for really doggedly, sticking with one thing but i i i don't know i I sort of think i have to sort of keep chopping around you know keep changing approaches and things i think i've sort of had a lot of time to to work in the last few years uh, on this i definitely feel i'm sort of embedded in this you know this thing called painting i'm not afraid to step into other areas you know from it I was going to say about the fabrics, actually, I, I kind of really like this thing of these fabrics that I'm getting. They've got their own kind of history or, you know, like if you take like a, a bed spread or something, it's had a different function or life, you know. Um, and so you, you sort of bring that into your practice. What I'm finding quite interesting is how I sort of negotiate that into my painting practice. For me, that's quite interesting because it sort of opens up other ideas. Have you heard of Joe Fife? because i sort of was familiar with him but he, he he's based in new york um but i think he teaches as well actually but he does a lot of work um with flags and things that he he buys mm-hmm. like from countries in, in asia and um he works within painting but with maybe source materials or, or bought materials i don't know I, I, so I've, I've been finding that uh, his work quite inspiring uh, in relation to that. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Obviously, I'm assuming these are going to be coming up eventually on your uh, Instagram. It seems like again you're really productive and posting and <laughs> you yeah, know, interacting yeah. there. Yeah, I think I. I mean, I'm sort of in two minds. It feels at the moment it feels like a bit of a a jump. There is that thing with Instagram. You know, once you posted it, it's kind of like it's out there you know mm-hmm. each year i do like to sort of do a, a, a one-person show well the last two years i've managed to do like a one-person show so 
I would like to kind of organize one of those for next year. I, I will start posting <laughs> something, but I'm, I'm kind of... Yeah, you're in that stage in between, right? Yeah, yeah, where, where I'm, I'm letting it... I'm not entirely sure what I think about them yet, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. again, it'll, it'll be exciting for people to be able to check this work out. And, yeah, oh, you yes. know, it's something that's very cool is, you know, going back through Instagram feeds yeah, and, and seeing work. And, mm. you know, I'm excited to see what these look like. So again, hope people, you know, take the time to follow you. And again, it's been really great talking to you all about your work. Thanks for inviting me. It's the first time I've done something like this. So I, I really appreciate it. Thanks again to Rupert for joining me. Please go check out his website, RupertHartley.com. And of course, be sure to follow him on Instagram to see lots of work in development, and especially some of those works that we were talking about at the tail end of this podcast. Once again, that's at Rupert Hartley. Once again, if you haven't, check out studiobreak.com. we got a bunch of interviews there, lots of artwork to look at, and lots of artists. Each of those posts there have images of the artist's artwork, links to their websites, and you can listen right there on Studio Break. But why not click those links and subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts? That way you've always got a good conversation to listen to, to reflect on while you're working away in the studio. And, of course, if you enjoy the podcast, please help spread the word, leave us a review, leave us some feedback, say hello. We always love hearing from listeners. So be sure to like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter, at Studio Break. And, of course, say hello on Instagram, at Studio underscore Break. Music for today's podcast is by Golden Shadow, which features myself on guitar, Ben Cohan on drums, and Brett Beery on bass. You can check out some of Ben's recent paintings by following him on Instagram. That's M Ben Cohan Studio. And of course, if you want to check out some new music while you're working away, follow Brett Beery on Instagram and check out some of the links to his albums on Bandcamp. So once again, that's Brett Beery on Instagram. And last but not least, you can check out my paintings by checking out my website, davidlinaway.com. There's plenty of work available. And, of course, you can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at David Linaway. Always great hearing from folks, so be sure to say hello. And, of course, let us know if you enjoyed today's episode by shouting us out on Instagram. Once again, that's at studio underscore break. And there we go. We wrapped another episode. Hope that everybody is having a super productive time in the studio. Hope you're staying safe out there. We'll talk to you real soon.